Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to take a moment before starting today's podcast to thank this episode's sponsor, Podcorn. You'll have noticed that I mentioned that I create these podcasts of my own back, with finances out of my own pockets in my ad breaks. Podcorn has made it much easier for me to raise money needed to host these episodes by creating an open platform marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities without having to mess about with the middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities then and there. There they can show their rates and can collaborate with brands directly. You never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn is there to support you at every step to ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. Their mission is simple, to give podcasts transparency, creative freedom and full control when we monetize. If you want to find out more and take a look at what's on offer, click on the link in my show notes and sign up to Podcorn to start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Now let's begin. Our vehicles are a metal cocoon we use to get ourselves from place to place. Often, without even realising it, our cars become an extension of our home. You feel safer by the very act of sitting inside and closing the doors, even with the knowledge of how thin the glass between yourself and the world outside really is. It is in this space we run through many emotions in our daily commutes, from the joy of singing along to a song on the radio, to the rage that befalls us all at the inconsiderate drivers ahead. We invite those into our cars when we feel comfortable to do so, just as we would inviting somebody into our homes. They can be a place to eat, to laugh, in some cases even a place to sleep or have sex. To find your car broken into is a milder but similar sensation to that of a home break-in, an invasion of space and privacy that can cause discomfort and concern. Often these break-ins are petty crimes of those seeking goodies to sell on for profit. But what if it was different? What if that person wished you ill? What if you had got into that car, unaware that it had been broken into? What if, as you buckled up for your journey, you were unaware that they were still there? My name is Luke Mordew, and this urban legend is the Backseat Killer. The tale of the backseat killer remains one of the most popular legends. It has appeared in television and film globally, often remaining one of the go-to stories on any top 10 urban legends list that you may come across on the internet. The story, like many others, has branched off and created younger, more modern tales that are still believed to this day, making this version of the story the parent of many urban legends. A perfect specimen to delve deeper into as we explore the nooks and crannies of each of these tales, awaking fears and anxieties on car journeys that we never really appreciate are there. In my telling, we will follow the story of Darren and Cheryl, amongst the car park of a restaurant where the couple have just finished a disastrous first date. Cheryl stepped out of the restaurant, slipping her jacket over her shoulders of haste, taking a few steps out into the car park before finally slowing down to wait for Darren who was thanking the staff at the door. 
They shared an uncomfortable glance at each other along with a forced smile as Darren arrived by her side. They turned and began to slowly stroll into the dimly lit car park under the beautiful lights that emitted from the decorations on the pub walls. Each step was unbearably uncomfortable for both of them. The crunch of their feet on the pebbled floor below working as a loud reminder of just how little dialogue between them there was. Cheryl could feel that Darren had more to say, watching him turn to her to speak before giving up several times in the corner of her eye. I'm sorry about in there, he finally said, blurting it out in a manner that seemed to even surprise himself. Cheryl responded with a reassuring smile, nodding her head to hide the awkward glint that shimmered in her eye as she told him it was fine, hoping that this would be the end of the forced conversation she had to endure throughout the evening as she neared her car. I get nervous, he added to her dismay. I don't, I don't date very often. She nodded again, sighing as she finally arrived by her car, already pulling her keys from her handbag. I can't imagine you'll be going on any blind dates anytime soon, he added, trying to make light of the disastrous night, which Cheryl did appreciate. He hadn't been creepy or rude. Something about their personalities just didn't gel. Neither seemed to know what to say, but where she had the ability to fill the gaps and make conversation, he struggled a great deal. As she clicked the button of her keys, unlocking the car beside her, she turned to face Darren head on, deciding to give him the respect of a sincere reaction. She felt he deserved that much. Darren, you're a nice guy. You are. I I just didn't feel anything, did you? She asked putting it all out there for him to agree so they could move on and cut the awkwardness in half in the hopes that it would dissipate completely. Instead, Darren only made the situation worse as he foolishly leant in closer to kiss her. She instantly pulled back, a look of surprise, confusion and frustration as she replied, Are you serious? louder than she initially intended. Darren hesitated for a moment, a million thoughts racing through his mind as he tried to gather the correct thing to say in the situation. Finally, like her, he decided to respond with frank honesty as well as he replied, I, I was just trying to show you that I did feel something. This didn't help the situation as Cheryl now felt that she had been ignored, that he was not listening to what it was she was saying. Up until this point, she had felt bad about the situation, but now he had crossed that line into the creepy actions of someone she did not wish to be around alone with in a dark car park. Darren, I just don't feel it, she replied trying to sound sympathetic through her frustration before adding, I wish you all the best. And with that, she slipped into the driver's seat of the car, buckled her seatbelt and began to pull out of the space. Darren watched her as she left, studying her through the windows, angry at himself for never truly learning how to talk to new people and handle his nerves, but as the car came into light, something caught him off guard, something he wasn't quite sure of. He studied her drive away a little longer as she pulled out onto the country road, engulfed in the light that shone down from the restaurant sign above. A sudden wave of shock, horror and anger swept over him as he suddenly turned, darting back to his car. He unlocked it as he arrived and jumped into the driver's seat. He didn't have time to fasten his seatbelt or check his mirrors. He needed to get to her fast as he sped off up the road after her. Unaware of what was unfolding behind, Cheryl was now tapping her fingers to the beat of the music that played from a phone that was attached to the dashboard connected to the speakers of the car. Outside was dark, 
only lit by the soft glow of the moonlight that shone down over the country fields and high trees that fluttered by as she travelled. But once again her peace was disturbed as the music stopped, replaced by the sharp tones of her phone ringing. She looked down at the screen and studied it in confused frustration as incoming call from Darren lit up in bold writing across its face. She studied it in disbelief, so much so that she ended up talking to the inanimate objects that surrounded her as she sighed, Are you kidding me? She leant forward and rejected the call, welcoming the music to start up again, but this only lasted for a few seconds before Darren's ringing came back once more. Half expecting this to be the case, Cheryl was mentally prepared this time and instantly rejected the call. But as she did, the two bright lights of a car's full beams began to blast their way through the back window, flashing as they did. For a slight moment, Cheryl squinted her eyes and waved her hand in the air to signal them, assuming they weren't aware that the full beams of the vehicle were in fact blinding her view, but instead the vehicle beeped its horn in return. It became apparent to her very quickly that this car's lights shining through the rear view window of her vehicle was no accident. And as the lights dimmed to flash once more, the terrifying realisation that she was now being chased by Darren had hit her. As if by instinct, Cheryl pushed her foot down on the pedal, picking up pace as she began to speed up down the country road, the music still blaring out its playful, happy tunes as the panic began to take over her thoughts. The music cut off once more, once again leaving the sharp tones of her phone to ring through the speakers of the car as Darren tried to get through to her. Through the tears that were streaming down her terrified face, she focused on the road as much as she could, letting her phone ring out. In the car behind, Darren recklessly drove his car to keep up with her. His phone pressed to his ear as he pleaded for her to just pick up the phone. Finally, the ringing stopped as he flashed his car lights once more. For a moment, he felt a sigh of relief, expecting to hear her somewhat panicked voice on the other end. Instead, what he found was a calm and collected Cheryl telling him that she could not come to the phone right now. It was her voicemail. In his frustration, he screamed at Cheryl's car that tried to get away ahead. All he wanted was for her to stop or to pick up the phone. In the moment of giving in to his emotions, he let go of what clarity he had for a fraction too long, causing him to lose control of the wheel, colliding with the shrubberies at the side of the road and rolling into a ditch on the other side, slamming against a tree. Cheryl watched in horrified amazement as the car lights suddenly flung off the road, disappearing into the darkness of the woods to her right. She slowly began to wipe her tears as she lifted her foot gently from the pedal, slowing the car down, bringing herself back to a normal pace as she tried to gather her thoughts. The past few minutes had destroyed all sensibilities in her, and all she could think to do was to get away. She was conflicted. Does she stop and check if Darren was okay? Or should she keep going and call the police, explaining what happened and telling them where he was? She decided on the latter as she reached out to her phone to make the call, but as she did, a notification appeared, pinging through the speakers of the car as the text flashed up. One new voicemail. In a form of macabre curiosity, she clicked on it, allowing it to play through the car as she continued to drive curious as to what was on it before she called the police on her strange stalker. The phone beeped, and the loud crashes of the car accident echoed through the speakers where it had caught the final collision against the tree in the darkness, and then... 
silence. She listened carefully, willing for him to at the very least be alive when she heard his pained, whispered voice as he struggled to speak. Cheryl, he said. He tried to say another word, and another, and another, but none seemed to come out clear, all mumbled and discombobulated in his bashed-up state. Cheryl slowly pulled over by the side of the road as she listened, trying to make out the words that were emitted from the speakers of a car against the hissing of his broken engine and the sighs of his breathless attempts at speaking. Unfortunately for Darren and Cheryl... It had all been in vain as the third member of this tale had already figured out what the words Darren was trying to whisper were and had begun to rise. And so, as Cheryl sat in her car, her eyes full of tears as she listened to the dying man's breath, the dark shadow of somebody hiding in the back seat of her car sat up. Cheryl noticed in the rearview mirror something flicker in the shadow, looking up as Darren finally managed to say... I think I hacked in. We're on the air? Shh, security's outside. But how's my hair? It's a radio station. Psst, psst. You guys hear about the Beyond the Shadows podcast with Ryan and Scott? You guys into paranormal? What about true crime? How about UFOs and cryptids? We also have mad hauntings. We got security. No, we don't. We're not big enough to need it yet. No, we got security. Hey, what are you guys doing? Get out of here. Listen to the Beyond the Shadows podcast. Beyond the Shadows! There's someone hiding in your back seat. This tale's popularity is most likely due to its familiarity. When driving your car late at night down the dimly lit roads, passing by the white bulbs of the streetlights that shine above in the flickering moments as you continue your journey, we are taught to focus on the events of the road ahead, to be alert on the goings-on, reading the signs and checking the lights. The anger we feel at incompetent drivers is a nervous reaction cloaked in anger as they create danger on the road that you were trying to travel across. The stresses of the other cars on the road and the constant focus required to avoid a collision with a post, a wall or an oncoming vehicle requires us to see our car as an extension of ourselves. We must look out into the world through the windows, you and your car and then the rest of the world. With all this in mind, it becomes clear why the story of the killer hiding in the back seat, waiting patiently to pounce as your focus is elsewhere is so popular. For that being to be amongst that extension of yourself in many ways is the ultimate invasion of space. Like a virus laying dormant, only to hit with its sickening blow at your most vulnerable. The tale of the backseat killer roots as far back as 1960s 
spreading like wildfire as it quickly became, and remains to this day, one of the world's favourite urban legends. The narrative spread so far and wide that by 1982, it appeared in a magazine column, written as a horrific event that happened to a friend of the writer who had written in. Although the story itself has no hard proof of ever truly happening, leading to firm speculation that this is indeed nothing but a work of fiction that has seeped its way into the vivid imaginations of those that hear it, there was, in fact, several similar occurrences that felt eerily similar to the legend as recent as 2017, where a woman found a man lurking in the back seat of her car. She had been driving for several miles when the voice of the individual hiding in her back seat began to speak. After what I can imagine was a hell of a fright, the man explained that he meant her no harm and that she was safe. He explained that he was simply hiding from trouble when she had begun to drive. Reagan Landis recommended to the man in the back seat of her car that she should drop him off at a motel. He agreed, unaware that the moment he had been dropped off, she was going to call the police with his exact location. As it turned out, they were already looking for him as the trouble he had suggested he was fleeing from were not the gangs he had alluded to, but the police themselves after they had fled a traffic stop. Fairly swiftly afterwards, the stowaway, Alan Ongiri, was arrested. Back in 1993, an equally eerie event took place when a lawyer by the name of Robert K. Hirsch unlocked his car at 7am and got inside, only to hear a voice from behind say, Give me your cash and I won't do anything. Robert handed the man $300 over his shoulder without looking back and at that moment, the man jumped out and fled. The events ventured darker in the year 2013. A 26-year-old woman was at a petrol station in the US. She parked her van, filled it up, and entered the building to pay for a couple of items she wanted. On her return, she got back into the vehicle and continued her journey. Unbeknownst to her, and something that was later proved by the petrol station CCTV footage, an unknown man had begun to check the parked cars outside. When he found her van was unlocked, he crept inside, hiding in the back, waiting for her return. The marauder did not reveal himself until she had driven away, forcing her to drive to several locations before dragging the victim into the back of her van and sexually assaulting her. After this, he forced her to drive to an ATM machine where she was made to withdraw cash. Once he had completed his evil deeds of that horrible night, he simply left her behind in her vehicle. Stories of a stranger creeping into the darkness of the back seat of a woman's car have circulated the grapevine for many years, exploding further, morphing and evolving at rapid speeds at the creation of the internet. The burst of chainmail that blasted through the doors of early emails created millions of unsuspecting recipients to fall victim to false information, 
once again enforcing the myth of the urban legend, confusing it for reality. The emails, as usual with Chainmail, left a warning at the end of their story of the messages to always lock your car doors, to check underneath and the back of your car before getting inside, and to try to be aware of your surroundings at all times. The moral takeaway from this story is to be somewhat more cautious when traveling, which on the top layer can seem to be almost positive. A dark story with a cautionary meaning reminiscent of the old folk tales of age. In reality, situations like this happen rarely to never, with most assailants approaching a vehicle to commit whatever crime they intend to whilst a passenger is already behind the wheel. But all that being said and done, a situation that may very well have triggered the narrative of the backseat killer may have been from a true story following the events of New York City in 1964. Although, as true with all urban legends, the reality is nowhere near as dark. Hence the common embellishments that come over time. In this true case, a murderer had escaped from a local prison and whilst being hunted by authorities decided to take refuge in the back seat of a car, very much a killer in the back seat in its most literal terms. Although there is no suggestion that this was at night time and there was nobody there to warn the owner of the vehicle. This ended up not being a problem of course as unfortunately for the convict in hiding, the car belonged to a police detective and was shot on sight. As usual, the new, jazzed-up version of the story follows the same tropes we are so used to seeing. Women victimized for their actions or inactions. For the same reasons, the only genre with a high percentage of female leads is horror. The physically weaker sex in Jeopardy makes it all so much scarier. Someone in the backseat of a man's car may evoke the thought, he might be able to fight them off. Whereas for a woman, it is often too late for her once the killer has chosen them. Although this is not necessarily sexism, it does open up the conversation of how we perceive the abilities and the roles of the genders, with the men in horror movies often hiding their fear through anger and brute force. The men in these stories who openly show their fear, especially in horror films, do so for comedy effect. Only recently have we begun to allow ourselves to accept the possibility that fear for our lives and danger affects us all. In more recent years, the story of the backseat killer is widely known to be an urban legend. Although if you were to ask, I can imagine many would still believe in some factors of truth to the tale. But overall, it is now understood to be nothing more than scary stories to tell in the dark and yet, with its most recent retellings, its evolution has crept its way into the world once more. And there's a good chance you've seen this for yourself. With race relations still tense in many areas of the Western world, and the growing fears of gangs that is perpetuated by certain aspects of the media. The story of the backseat killer has changed to fit these narratives, playing new fears like the keys of a piano as it hits the notes that we hear and recognize in today's society. Now, told through social media, more often than emails, you may have heard the warning shared amongst Facebook of a gang initiation process. 
a trap laid out specifically for women. This trap is that on a quiet country road, a crib or a buggy or a pram would be left on the side of the road with what looked to be a baby abandoned inside, pulling at the heartstrings of the maternal instinct. They would pull over to help, only to discover it was a doll, unaware that behind her, somebody had snuck into the back seat of her car. This story has many variations, but they all lead to the same thing. A rape gang that trick women into getting out of their cars in the middle of nowhere so they can attack. Playing on the spreading ideas of Muslim rape gangs and foreigners that come to our western countries to prey on unsuspecting victims. Like any evolution, you can look back at this happening as between the original legend and what it is today is the tale of a woman driving her car, trying to get away from the man who was only trying to warn her. In these iterations, either the killer himself was a black man, or the individual trying to save her was black. But due to his blackness, she feared him as more of a predator than a saviour, thus enforcing her reasons for escape before he could explain. The original story as itself worked just as it was. Logically, there was no reason to ever mention the colour of any of the characters' skin unless it was to make some form of a statement. And if that wasn't the case, it would always happen, not only when the character was black. The gang version of this legend lives on to this day, with many still sharing it across whatever social media sites they use. I have seen it myself in several occasions as it spreads up across America and the United Kingdom, popping up on timelines all over the Western Hemisphere with the all-too-familiar caption, Please be careful, and please share. Often signed off by a police officer that does not exist. Reporting on a crime that never happened. The responses and reviews for Urban Legends have been a wonderful surprise for us here, and we're over the moon that our listeners are enjoying our content. Although it hasn't gone unnoticed that many of you have commented that you wish there was more content from us. This is why we've begun a Patreon with two tiers. For £4 a month, you can join us as a mythologist, where you can catch all episodes of Urban Legends without any of these ad breaks, allowing you to focus on the story at hand, as well as exclusive hidden episodes released the Monday after each legend, delving into similar legends not covered in the main series. For £8 a month, you can join us as an anthropologist, where you can catch all that I previously mentioned, as well as the ability to put your version of the legend forward to be read in the main series, invitations to live Q&As with me, working in progress updates, priority voting on what legends we'll cover in the seasons to come, and even the chance to feature on one of our footnotes. The more our Patreon grows, the more content we can create, and the shorter our breaks between seasons become. So, we hope you'll join us soon. And now, back to the podcast. Ignoring the evolution of the story and heading back to the beginning, where the tale first started, we find that the story itself was one of many. Although the stories always remain similar, as urban legends usually do, they all manoeuvre in their own way. Growing up gobsmacked by the opening scene of the horror film Urban Legend, the first horror film I ever watched, 
It evoked a fascination in the notion of urban legends that remained in me through adolescence and into adulthood. Because of my familiarity with that opening scene, I couldn't bring myself to write anything too similar without it coming across as a pale imitation, so I went a new route with mine, keeping the story the same, but introducing a new setup to the opening segment. Who knows? Perhaps my version will become one of the stories told in years to come. In other iterations, ones that seem to appear from the shadow of nothingness but continue on from lips to lips, the story changes just like mine. One tells the story of a woman driving down the long road from whatever it is the storyteller decides she has been doing. Before long, another vehicle pulls up behind her, suddenly and violently flashing the full beams of their headlights into her vehicle. At first she sees this as nothing more than an obnoxious driver impatiently waiting for her to move. It isn't until she takes her exit towards her home that a darker realisation sinks in as she realises the vehicle behind is now following her. With no real plan on what to do, and the niggling dash of hope that she's merely being paranoid, the driver goes straight to her house, jumping out of her car to dash to her front door to get to safety. To her horror, the vehicle that followed her pulls up outside of a sharp break. The driver jumps out and begins to pace towards her, shouting for her to lock her car door and call the police. It is only after the police arrive that she realises that the stranger in the car behind was actually trying to protect her. He had noticed the shadowy form of a man in the back of her car begin to rise in the back seat. He flashed his lights to get her attention, but by doing so, he also caused the figure to slouch back down in hiding. The police unlock the car and check the back seat to find a man waiting in the dark, a butcher knife in hand that he intended to use on her. The other version of this story will be familiar with those who have seen the 90s slasher urban legend that unfortunately peaks in its first five minutes. It follows the narrative of a young woman stopping at a pay at pump petrol station. Once her tank is full, she closes the lid and pays before opening the front door of her car to leave. But before she can, the voice of the attendant inside echoes from the tannoy above. They ask her to come inside as there seems to have been a problem with her payment. He explains that they've had issues with the card readers and it would be easier if she just came into the shop. This was strange for the woman, who had just seen the words transaction complete pop up on the little monitor in front of her. She explains to him that it had in fact gone through and she really needed to get off, but before she could get into her vehicle, he relays the message again, this time more urgent and insistent, even threatening legal action if she were to leave without confirming payment. In her frustration, the woman slams the car door closed and paces towards the building ready to give a stern word to the attendant inside, but the moment she arrives, she does not find an obnoxious man ready to argue, but a man with a look of horror and panic across his face. Slowly and keeping as calm as he can, the attendant explains that while she was using the pump, he had witnessed a man slipping into the back seat of her car on the opposite side. On the film version of this account that plays in the opening scenes of that 90s slasher, due to the rainy, horror movie-esque setting, 
the stutter of the somewhat creepy attendant and the character's own prejudices. She believes the attendant is trying to attack her and fights back before driving away to escape. It is when she is driving, wiping the tears from her eyes, that the attendant finally is able to get his words out, as he stands amongst the downpour in the middle of the road. Although his words are hopelessly lost against the heavy rain and the hum of her speeding car, he tries his best, screaming at the top of his lungs. There's someone in the back seat. And whilst the audiences sit with their goosebumps, they watch as a hooded figure rises in the back seat before swinging an axe, decapitating her on the spot. Urban Legends is written and produced by Luke Morgie, researched by Sean Davis, in association with Morgie Pictures. Original score by Billy Jupp, with additional sounds from audioblocks.com. If you like what you've heard and want to hear more, make sure to click subscribe. You can find out more about Urban Legends, including a complete written breakdown of this episode, with images, news reports, and citations listed on anything that's been said at lrmorgie.com podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ulpodcast on Instagram at urbanlegends.podcast or on Facebook by simply searching Urban Legends Podcast.